listening to the Couples Guide podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Talia. We're both licensed marriage and family therapists. And today, like every day, (laughs) we're debunking myths and delivering truth about dating, relationships, and everything in between. Trust us. It's awesome. Hello. Episode 97. Wild. What? Sorry, Talk to me, Talia. What, what episode number? I didn't hear you. What was it? Episode <laughs> 97. Oh. Can you please tell me what I just told you? Episode 97. Can you please tell me what I just Woo-hoo. told you? <laughs> yes. You just enunciated very well for me. And even though that's an important skill in relationship, that is not what we're talking about. Fine. Um, we're talking about active listening. In all of our almost 100 episodes, we haven't done one, but then at the same time, I can because we're so we swim in active listening all day, every day. Yeah. Some way, shape, or form. Well, and that's why, yeah, and that's why I thought it'd be a cool thing to kind of like lean into. Definitely. Because I think regular listeners to the podcast, when we dive into it, we'll, we'll, here like you said that oh yeah we're always just like that's a a given of a lot of what's underneath what we're talking about particularly when we we dive into communication in relationships right Right. and it's useful to go to the basics especially because nowadays so much of our social media for those of us who like follow mental health stuff starts using these terms and there's kind of like a, a lay person's understanding and you know people will will use terms like active listening or depression or boundaries or whatever <laughs> and sometimes they get it right and other yeah. times they don't um or it's like not quite yeah. at that clinical level it's where you yeah. have lay people trying to like lean into like clinical experiences and it's not quite there so um, nice to dive into this from a professional standpoint, but also just like a really great, awesome, basic tool for yeah. any relationship to be doing. Yeah. yeah. And I actually, uh, it came up in a session earlier this week because I play some card games with some of my younger clients. And one of the questions that the card game asked is, when do you know, how do you know that somebody's listening to you? And I thought that was a phenomenal question mm-hmm. to have at pretty much any age but especially at a younger like kids and teens age it is and most everybody I've asked that question to that I've played the game with has given a similar response so I think that might be a good jumping off point for um like describing what it is and I also have an analogy or metaphor I can never keep those two straight that we can unpack closer to the end that might help people if they're struggling with this so I think defining it first the my favorite definition is when their phone and i've asked this to my students too when they don't have their phone in front of them like they're not distracted by anything when they make eye contact with me and i know someone's listening when they're sharing what i've shared with them so whether that's sharing it with a facial expression sharing it with a reframe sharing it with a nod what we call minimal encouragers, which are things that we do um, verbally and bodily in a conversation to let the, like you're doing it right now. You're like nodding, you're making eye contact. (laughs) You're doing (laughs) the minimal encouragers part of active listening. It's making sure that your focus is on the speaker 
and not on your own inner thoughts and your own inner world or making meaning too hastily of what the speaker is saying. It's the goal is to intake the information. And then ideally the best part of active listening is if you can prime the person of I'd like my, the support I'm seeking in sharing this is advice. The support I'm seeking in sharing this is only to vent the support I'm seeking is to come up with the problem. So if you can help people, if you know ahead of time what you're hoping to get out of the other person listening to you, it can actually create a bigger space for the person who is actively listening to be active in the listening. So they're not trying to be like, why is this person telling me this? What is the purpose of this? Oh, then on the solution, like, I don't want you. I just wanted to talk about it. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that. So I think it can help prevent those conflicts too. Yeah. I like Absolutely. It. I would say everything you said, I would add and deepen it into like one of the important parts of active listening, or I guess why we recommend active listening to couples is what you're hinting at is the slowing down process. Yes. And that's such a key ability in relationship and active listening is the tool you use to do it by slowing the conversation down since often oftentimes our brains are so efficient. We are doing a type of listening and thinking, like you said, making meaning of it, thinking of our response or when it's it's an elevated, you know, maybe distressing conversation coming up with like defenses, rebuttals, argumentation, because our brains are so fast. It goes, woo, woo, here we go. And you actually end up missing what the person is saying. So active listening is a tool to slow it down And kind of trust, once you get good at it, trusting each other that if I just focus completely on listening to you, I'm trusting that then after I hear what you're saying, then I will have my space to then share my response to what you're saying. And the slowing down process is so important because that's what allows for a deeper understanding so that we understand our partners better. And then ding, 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 ding. The key is our partners feel understood. Because one of the big keys and results of good active listening is not just the person who is listening can say, no, I understand you. That's important that the, the listener does understand cognitively, but the key is the person sharing feels understood. Yes. And that's not something I think we talk about very much in our culture or that we don't pay attention to or value as much explicitly. I think we all love, I'm assuming we all do. Yes. Uh Humans generally like to be feel, feel understood. (laughs) I had to check myself for a second. That's a common goal. Um, Yeah. And this active listening tool. Yeah. yeah, It's a common goal. Um, And this is the tool that allows that experience to happen. So I love that. And I, I know we're kind of shifting away from like the purpose or we're shifting away from what it is to the purpose, but I wanted to add into that, that piece as well. Yeah. So I have um, you, to... you gave a few like really specific ideas yeah. of how to do active listening. I have like a very specific way that, that I teach couples active listening. Um, Ooh, I can I'll get into that in a second. Some... I call it. Go ahead. I was gonna say, it's like a very specific dialogue script. Um, um, that I, I lead couples through. And this, um, it's something that I used to almost require from my couples mm-hmm. in early couple sessions. I've stopped doing that. Now I just kind of wait till when it's relevant in session. And then I go, huh, here's a cool tool idea. Um, but I used to almost require it because it's such a foundational 
skill in in a relationship. And oftentimes when couples come to couples therapy, that's one of the skills that one or both partners are lacking. Active listening. Yes. So I have the principles, some of the principles that I can share. uh, And then I would love to hear your definition. I can also share how I teach it to my clients. And I would Mm -hmm. venture a guess the majority of them learn how to do it by way of therapy. (laughs) Um, And one of the main pieces of feedback I've gotten from clients over many, many years of working with all types of clients is how attentive and active of a listener that I am. And I loved, I think many therapists become a therapist for no accident. Like it's, it's a long process to just do, you can't just like fall into this career. Like there's a lot that you have to tackle. I've always loved listening. I'm obsessed with listening. I'm obsessed with learning. I completely, when I'm in sessions, I will check out from whatever mentally is going on for me. And I'm like hundred percent all in to be listened to in a in that way is such a gift. And that's not something that only a therapist is able to do we're highly trained to do it absolutely the partner or the individual that we're working with can also learn to do this for themselves and for other people so i think being able to define it but also to share if you are noticing that you have the highest success rate of this happening when you're in session that is a normal experience that is the main part of our job and why therapy is so effective in building rapport does this person care? Do I matter? Am I understood? It's answering a lot of those fears and um, desires, honestly, that a lot of human beings have. Like everybody has that need at the core, how well it's met or not. And that's very EFT based. (laughs) Are those needs getting met? Mm -hmm. Yes. So how do we help couples also to meet that need? So the core principles of active listening that I have pulled up that I would imagine align with what you're sharing or going to share would be paying physical attention to the person. So making sure your body ideally is facing them, eye contact if that feels comfortable, and matching what the body language is. I will give the caveat, for some couples I work with, this can feel very confronting. Eye contact, and we talked about this when Lee Povey was on our podcast, eye contact is not always, we don't always um, intake it the way that we want it, or it doesn't always mean what we think it means. It can be very confrontational, and this is drawn upon research for how we are positioned when we have conversations in a heteronormative relationship. If two men are facing one another, it's usually an opposition or where there's something to be solved or tackled. Women do this more frequently all the time. It's more comfortable for us. I'm, this is obviously a generalization. So if that's if the physical attention with eye contact is too much, then a hand on the shoulder Uh, No phones, no screens or distractions, generally facing your body towards the person. You could, if you wanted to, lay their head in your lap. You could go on a walk together and be noticing and matching bids for connection. Whatever type of physical attention feels best is what we would recommend. And then the other pieces are more verbal or linguistic. So you'd want to make sure that you're paraphrasing what the partner or the person you're talking to is saying um, appropriately so please don't interrupt. Interrupting is very annoying. Um, I understand the urge for it, but we have to tamp that down at the appropriate time in the conversation, being able to reflect what the partner has said. If you need any clarifications, wait until the end. So much of what I teach my couples is I can almost guarantee you most all of your questions or concerns will be answered if you let the person speak thoroughly and finish. And then encouraging the person, like we talked about, minimal encouragers throughout, nodding, 
eyebrows moving, eyes moving. I think that those are some of the main tenets. At least that's the way I teach the basics of active listening. Yeah, love that. Um, and all of that, I... I don't go into that explanation with couples, but what I do is offer this dialogue that uses all of that. Um, And it's having couples turn and face each other initially when they're learning this and literally have them like write down this dialogue and then stick to it when they're trying to practice it. And I, and I frame it as, Hey, this is an exercise and it's actually pretty tedious to discuss and have a dialogue this way, but that's okay when you're trying to develop this skill through the exercise, you're not trying to solve the dialogue or come to a resolution of the dialogue yet. The goal is just learn how to do this speaking. And here's, here's how it goes. You have partner A and partner B. And key thing is partner B is in the hot seat. That's the listener role in this dialogue script. And so partner A starts off and I, it's not required, but I do encourage, especially like early on when, when couples are learning to have communication skills training, have them go ahead, the partner A share, I feel blank when I blank. So you're, we're actually incorporating I statements in there and feeling statements, but that's not required on the act of listening piece. I just like it being a very robust um, tool. So partner A, you know, we're picking one topic, the dishes in the sink. We fight about it all the time. Okay. So I feel pissed off when I see dishes in the sink. That's partner A starting the dialogue. Um, Partner B responds by paraphrasing what they heard partner A share. And then asking, did I get that right? Mm. Partner A answers, just to that question, yes or no, no other word, just yes or no. If partner B listened correctly and got it right, and partner A responds with a yes, then partner B responds with another question, is there anything else? Partner A says either no, which then you flip roles, and then partner B gets to respond, or Partner A responds with, yes, there is something else, and goes into another thing they'd like to share about the dishes in the sink. The reason that I'm really pissed when I see the dishes in the sink is because I hate doing dishes. And then you go back to the dialogue again. Partner B, the active listener, paraphrases back what they heard partner A say, and it goes, did I get that right? Partner A says yes or no. If it's a yes, partner B goes into, is there anything else, until... Partner A goes, no, I've shared everything I needed to share about this thing. Please respond. If in this dialogue, partner A shares something, partner B paraphrases and asks, did I get that right? And the answer is no. Partner A tries again. Sometimes it's just literally repeating what was first said. So it gives partner B an opportunity to listen again and try to get it right. But oftentimes it's also, okay, well, partner A needs to Uh, maybe phrase something differently after they've heard what they think partner B hears from them. Maybe like try to clarify or often common pitfall is partner A likes to take that role to the extreme and not just share one statement, but maybe give a monologue for two minutes, which you're not going to be setting your active listening partner up for success because it's very (laughs) difficult to remember everything from two minutes. That's too much. Yeah. It's really hard. So you, you, you simplify it until that's good. 
So again, it sounds complicated. That's why I encourage couples to write it down because it's hard to hold this in your head when you're just listening. Partner A shares, partner B paraphrases and says, did I get that right? Partner A says yes or no. If it's a yes, partner B says, is there anything else? Partner A says yes or no. When it's finally no, you switch roles. If partner B didn't get the, the paraphrase right, like I said, again, you just go back to the start and partner A tries to share again what's going on. That's the dialogue. It's very simple when it's written down and you do it. And it gives both partners very concrete tools to go into this. And it, I think, incorporates all those components of active listening that you're talking about. The, it doesn't explicitly talk about the physical pieces, but you're kind of forced to go with it um, and focus in on it. And I'm rambling a lot about this, but I could talk forever about this one um, um, exercise, but it's really useful. It forces the slowdown and couples, when they first hear it, think, oh, cool, we got this. And then they realize how difficult it is sometimes to just stick to that very specific script. It's mm -hmm. so easy for when you're talking and you haven't intentionally done active listening for to veer off into, I'm just going to respond right away to my partner. And we're just going to keep having a discussion about what's being brought up. Like, no, 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 no. You got to slow it down. Paraphrasing. Did I get that right? Is there anything else? I have two feelings. One is extreme <laughs> joy because I love scripts, as you know. And my other one is extreme interest because I'm thinking about some of the couples I work with or have met in like just walking around as a civilian. <laughs> and I can, <laughs> I can think on one hand how many would love this and I can think on one hand how many be like, I'm not fucking doing that exercise. Like that's bullshit. Yeah. I'm not sitting there listening. I, not, and it's not like a, I already know I'm right, but it's sitting there and what I've been told sitting there and thinking more. So I get it. I don't want the person to drone on and on. Just tell me what you want done so I can do it a lot more mm -hmm. of that solution focused mindset. So mm -hmm. my curiosity when you teach couples, this is if you've ever had a couple where they wanted to streamline the process more so they don't feel like it's an interrogation. Yeah. Well, and that's part of framing, like what's the goal we're trying to achieve with this dialogue. Yeah, and that's it. why I like to frame it as, we're not trying to solve a problem right now. We are literally just trying to get to that place of understanding one another and slowing it okay. down. Okay. And then I even encourage couples who maybe ask about that interrogation piece yeah. or feel like, hey, what's the point? Yeah. I even add a little more boundaries and structure for them because we practice it in session and we do talk about what was, what was good, what wasn't good when they're practicing it. And I say, cool, so do this, but put a time limit on it. Like, when you're doing this outside of session or like you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to bring it to your partner, like say, let's practice this for 10 minutes. That's a lifetime of active listening when you've never done it before. And it, you're going to go like, wow, we, we've been doing this for 10 minutes. We're drained and we didn't really accomplish anything the way that we're used to either like getting so pissed off I that we end it, yeah. or like we didn't actually solve the dishes in the sink situation. No, right. that's not what you're trying to do. The whole reason why partner B is in the hot seat is this is active listening dialogue. The goal of the exercise is to start getting better at slowing yourselves down and listening. So normally that frame yeah. tends to take care of that. that um, uh, for, for people who are invested, actually kind of, you know, there's a buy-in as to like yeah. why we're doing this and why I brought up. It's, it's also, side note, 
when you ask that question, knowing that people aren't into it, it's why I stopped um, requiring it, if you will, from early sessions of couples. Cause there were times where like one partner down for couples therapy, but this didn't really feel aligned with what they were hoping for at that time. So I kind of wait till it naturally comes up now in sessions where it's like one or both partners are struggling to understand one another. I'm like, here, let me give you a tool that will help you with this. Cause you already want to feel more understood. Yeah. Here's, here's how you can do this. I like that idea. But it's hard. I, and there's definitely pitfalls. Oh, there. Yeah. oh yeah. And I, I mean, I can already, I can already tell because I've worked through this with couples, not by that script, but indirectly. Mm-hmm. And I'm so curious of their interpretation because that lets me know pretty much all, most of all that I need to. Okay. What did you just hear? Yeah. That's what I'll ask. They'll say something. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm not a big proponent of monologuing, but sometimes we get to some juicy details. And if I see the partner really invested in it, I let it continue. And then I'll shift because sometimes I'll see a a face, whatever it might be. I'm like, okay, what did you just hear? Mm -hmm. Well, he hates me. Not what he said. Not at all. What he said, Mm -hmm. honor that that's how you felt. Let's try this again. And you know me, I'm a lot more like a coach or a referee. Like I'll go in and direct a little bit because I think challenging those sometimes it's a negative core belief that's getting activated and it's they've stopped listening so they're actually missing a lot of the rich detail that their partner would be sharing afterwards because they've assigned a role to their partner and they're like now i hate you and i'm not gonna listen to anything else you're saying because this means you're abandoning me it's like no no no, that's not what was said that was what was interpreted the intention versus the interpretation makes a big difference Mm -hmm. you had you had something you had an aha moment well and I, i love this example yeah, yeah, well, I just said this example, so I want to apply it into the, the active listening dialogue. If partner A is sharing all these important things, and then partner B goes, okay, so you're saying you hate me, and they stick to the script, and did I get that right? This exercise allows partner A to go like, no, that's not at all what I'm saying. Here it is. This, this dialogue is useful for that partner who's interpreting, making meaning of, oh, they hate me, to instead of getting like fully emotionally flooded and off on their own internal experience thinking, Oh my gosh, my partner hates me. What's this? Or now I'm now either I'm defensive and pissed off or I'm really sad and hurt and I'm not there. It's like, no, no, no. It forces the way, hold on. I can't engage with that message yet. Cause I still need to make sure I'm understanding what my partner is sharing with me. So it slows down. If the partner a was actually sharing, I hate you. Well, okay, then they share that. That's a really rough thing to hear, but let's just say that was true. Then after partner B says, you hate me, did I get that right? And partner A is like, yeah, I did. Then partner B can respond and say, wow, that's really difficult for me or whatever. That's almost never the case. That's why I love this example is because it slows both partners down for partner A to slow and say, okay, okay, let me, let me highlight the important pieces. I do not hate you. It is, this is what I'm trying to be understood about. And allows partner B to tolerate the, oh, I was interpreting that as you hate me, but now I can actually understand what you're wanting me to hear. Actively listening, doing the work to focus on one goal only, understanding my partner. That's the key. Getting rid of all of the other things that come in our brains and hearts where we're trying to like get our needs met or we want to be understood by our partner. And then what happens is the partners both couple both partners want to be understood at the same time and therefore never understand one another. Right. This active listening allows 
this active listening dialogue allows the couple to slow down and just take turns being understood. So that's why I jumped in. I love that example just to apply it to the dialogue. Oh yeah. And I, I, as you work through that, it makes more sense like thinking of it in live time. And I'm thinking of couples I've seen over the yeah. years and there's definitely a handful where I laugh to myself. Cause I'm like, this would, not work. this would not work, which is a whole other bag of, it's not about the intervention. It's the mind yeah. state that each individual of who's yeah. picking up the couple would be in that they either wouldn't go for it. That's data to uh -huh. analyze. They would go for it, but do so weaponized. Uh -huh. That's data to analyze. Or they have maybe a more anxiously attached or borderline constructed personality in which this would not land well because mainly it would be taken and ran with and there would be no like getting back on track. So I appreciate being able to have like the dialogue about it because active listening when I'm sure when it's assigned from the beginning helps to set a template, it can help interrupt that cycle because, and I'm thinking of one, one person I've worked with specifically over the years where I can tell you that they would want to do this pattern simply to avoid having to do this pattern more than more. Like they would want to get it right the first time because they don't want to go yeah. through feeling yeah. nagged. So honestly, either way, this is a really great intervention because it actually does work. And if you don't want to feel like you have to do this, you want to make sure that you're actively listening to avoid having to go through being asked those questions. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great both ways. I love it. Yeah. I'm well, here for it. The, yeah, the hot seat is the active listener. And also oh, yeah. it's kind of like you have to successfully hear your partner before you get to share what you want That's to. Also very so there's kind of like that carrot it. at the end of the, ooh, yeah. I heard correctly. Now I get to respond. Great. Yes. But on the yeah. flip side, you know, active listening, we only need to, is like, that's the skill for us to learn so we can hear our partners better. However, there's also ways that the person sharing, when you're sharing what you want to be heard about, you can help facilitate the listening that you're longing for. And I mentioned one of the pitfalls. I'm going to review like two big pitfalls yeah. for the person in this dialogue who's in role A, the sharer, not yeah. the listener. First pitfall is saying too much at once. Good. Because if you do monologue for two minutes or you do share a full paragraph, that's really hard for someone to stay completely focused and listen completely until they're good at this. Yeah. And then the other pitfall is with this dialogue specifically, couples will take it like they'll misinterpret that last bit of is there anything else? And partner A will be, well, that was the dishes in the sink. Now I want to tell you about the laundry room. Oh, and then they room? go on to the next thing. It's like, no, 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 this isn't a laundry list of everything I think about in the relationship. Because oftentimes one partner who might be like, say the pursuer partner is like, I want you to hear everything I'm thinking this moment is, it, that's not going to work. It is a dialogue where you're supposed to be going, here's one idea I want you to deeply understand about me. And then I'd love for you to respond. But that, those two pitfalls can get highlighted in this dialogue. And then the, the, the person sharing partner A can start learning, oh, I have a role in this that I can work on yeah. in order to help myself feel better understood by my partner. I can be more concise with my important messages instead of processing out loud. And while I'm just rambling on for minutes and including shame, blame language come out, I can go, wait a second, maybe I need to filter my mouth a little bit and be intentional with what I share. Good. And then also going, wait a second, 
I need to create space and safety for my partner to respond to what I'm sharing instead of overwhelming them with every single thought and feeling I have when they're trying their best to stay present with me. So I like that on that front of the dialogue as well. Would you say that would also be, I know you have a second one, so I don't want to cut you off. Would you say that would also be like a groundwork caveat? Like not only is that a pitfall if you share too much. So on the flip side of that, one of the ground rules is you need to be regulated enough that you can actually adhere to the one issue, one problem at a time rule. Not necessarily, honestly. I mean, definitely when you're grounded and regulated, this is going to feel more productive and enjoyable. But that's kind of where couples get to when they practice this. I agree. If anything, I'm kind of down in the session um, when I can support couples when those those types of groundings aren't there because then I can point out, hey, look, this is this is why this is difficult. So let's do that. For listeners of the podcast, though, I want to be like, yes, do be cautious because if you bring this and want to practice this with your partner and you don't have an outside professional, like, or you they know, take know it slow and make sure you are in a good space. In this exercise. Yeah, that's my, yeah. That, I wanted to add to that for your pitfall. Yeah. Like my pit, first pitfall yeah. is your, this is what I teach all the time. I'll pre- preach it from the mountaintops. Uh-huh. Your ideal time to tell your partner something may not be their ideal time to be told this thing or to hear it or to listen to mm-hmm. it. So when you're framing what Ryan yes. just taught us, uh, and what we've, you know, we do on like a daily basis, be mindful of that. And this is one, one thing. And then I want you to take the show for the rest of it. You, when we, when it comes to active listening or any other skill, there's difference, different levels of fluency that all of us have. So you might be fluent in active listening and your partner might be a total beginner. They've never heard the language before, so to speak. Be mindful of that to not put pressure on your partner to be as good as or as skilled as you might be if I've been speaking this language since I was probably an infant. That would be totally unrealistic for me to place that same level of expertise or experience on anybody else who doesn't have it. So that would be what I wanted to say, like that analogy and metaphor from the beginning is what you are fluent in, somebody might just be hearing for the first time. And you might also be saying it like Portuguese and Spanish are very similar. They're not the exact same. So if you know both, switch into your partner's fluent language or what they're more familiar with, and then teach them how to join what you're fluent in. That is that is what I would share. And I want you to take the rest. I yeah, want to listen. I love that. Oh, well, I mean... There's other important pieces to this, and I, I don't necessarily load this all on couples in one session, but when, like, maybe yeah. they go practice, you know, active listening dialogue, they come back and maybe process it some more. But for this episode, like, other considerations that um, are, are useful. So when you are the listener, that role B, partner B, who's paraphrasing back and asking, did I get it right? Keep in mind, I did say paraphrase. The idea is to put it into your own words because that shows a depth of comprehension. But to be honest, sometimes there's value in, if you don't know how to paraphrase it, just repeating back verbatim what your partner said. That's not my goal. That's not the intention. But I do want to give permission for that. Kind of like what you're saying about, hey, this is like new language speaking. And someone's like, wow, I've never done this. Normally, I just say, I get it. I understand. Can we move on? Yeah. There's still value in slowing down the dialogue to go, all right, you feel pissed off when you see dishes in the sink. Did I get that right? Just repeating verbatim what the partner said, there's value. Again, mm-hmm. deeper ideal level is you are paraphrasing. That's why that's the formal thing that I, I taught in what the script says. But 
don't sell yourself short because what can happen is it's really difficult to always paraphrase. So just stick with the slow process and get used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and all then else, another thing. Huh? I said, it's funny because I said, if all else, I said, if all else fails, just don't interrupt. And as I was saying that I interrupted you. So it was very poetically timed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There you go. Highlight, boink. And it, honestly, it's probably just because of the, the audio, like filtered it out because you yeah. were talking when I was talking. Um, but that's also part of what the dialogue does is it helps discourage the interruption or you can very easily go, like, ah, shoot, we broke it. One common thing, even when couples are firing all cylinders on this dialogue, um, they'll, they'll emotionally get, like when partner B is paraphrasing and getting it right, both partners will kind of emotionally go like, yeah, yeah, you're getting it right. Cool. And then partner B won't even ask, did I get it right? They'll just jump on. Is there anything else? Like, no, 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 no. Get used to it. Slow it down and actually ask it. That might seem redundant and you might, um, you know, it's common to get kind of frustrated with how slow this goes, but that's the whole skill set you're developing. When you do get it right and you can tell just from your partner going, yep, 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 you got it, still ask because that is developing the skill of asking in an easy moment so that when you aren't sure or you're not getting those clear emotional nonverbal skills it's still second nature to not assume you're getting it right you double check and go hey did i get that right so that's another like, key thing on the active listening tip and trick when you're in role b and doing right. this dialogue still be when you're starting it be religious to this script um i have found to be useful so i think those are kind of like some of the common pieces there. I did already mention that, you know, 10 minutes is a long time to do this and not a lot's going to be shared at first as, as both partners are learning like what this is. Um, but if anyone listening here, like wants to kind of like bring this into the relationship, I say, take 10 minute chunks and just say, Hey, let's do this dialogue. Let's see how it is. And then just notice what starts being happening. What I'll end with is very common. I just had this this week with a couple, which is probably why this was in my head thinking about doing an episode on this couple had just gotten used to it, tried it, and they're noticing, yeah, we really got more of to this place of we feel like we understand each other better. Mm-hmm. And now they're dealing at a deeper, higher level of now we understand where each other's coming from. We still don't agree. And I'm going to say that's okay. But now you can start talking about, okay, here's how we disagree, but I understand and respect where we're different. Now we can talk about what do we want to do as a team to address our differences yeah. as opposed to just fighting about who's quote unquote right. Um, so it gets to a nice, nice level. Once both partners feel understood, it creates safety. It creates safety to go, I understand you and I trust that's true for you. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to be true for me because you right. understand me and how we're different. That creates this emotional connecting experience that then actually allows you to address whatever differences are there. So that's after active listening, but I want to show, or I want to say to listeners, like some of the purpose and why you get there. Cause that's the light in the, the tunnel. That's really good. That allows like really, really cool shifts to happen in a relationship. I love it. That's my thoughts. My thoughts. I love being able to actively listen to you. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I did kind of go on for a long time on that dialogue. Um, no, I love it. So 
thank you, Talia, for listening. And thank you, listeners, our faithful listeners, always checking it out and learning stuff. Um, I'd be kind of curious, specifically on this, like feedback from people about uh, how, they, how they might introduce this into their relationship and what's been useful, what's been not. I really want to make a joke. Any other but... feedback, though? <laughs> okay, then text it to me later. Um, but uh, I was just going to wrap up and say thanks again, everyone listening. If you do have feedback or you do have a question for us, shoot us an email, Ryan and Talia at thecouplesguidepodcast.com. Yes, you can also answer um, if you have a question. I'll do like a Q&A, usually about once a week, fingers crossed, at Talia Bombola. And we will, well, you will hear us or see us, depending on where you're watching this. Um, if you visualize us in your head, you will connect with us next episode, which will be 98. And we're super close to 100. So if you have any ideas episode for our 98. episode, send them in. Yeah, Talia and I are, are starting to talk about um, how we might want that 100th episode to go four years into this podcast. So, um, yeah, I've got some ideas. We'll consider them and hopefully we'll have something kind of fun for everyone in a couple weeks when we get to, to our milestone. I love it. Thanks so much, everybody. Take good care.